0: Um, I feel like people who are, like, in this religion of, like, sacrificial, it's very messy. Like, they yeah. leave a lot of bric-a-brac about, you know, when you're sacrificing people. You sort of create this magnificent thing,
1: kill a person, and then leave the whole thing behind. And you gotta like, buy more candles, you gotta buy more... I mean, just the overhead seems high. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video
0: store in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up
1: as As the the final final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down
0: one by one, peeking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating, illuminating
1: the path, path to, to survival. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Julia. I'm Marion. Uh, this is episode 66, mm-hmm. entitled Smoke Attracts the Gods. Because Today, we are talking about 1987's
0: I will say little scene. I don't mm-hmm. think it's an exaggeration. No. The Believers.
1: That is right. Uh, the tagline: nothing can stop them. No one can help you. They know who you are.
0: They do seem to know who you are. They, they do know who you are. Yeah, they do seem
1: to know who you are. This um, is uh, based on a book called The Religion. Oh, okay. By Nicholas Conde. Okay. Um, directed by John Schlesinger. Schlesinger. That's hard a, to say. That's a tough one to say. Starring Martin
0: Sheen. Uh, Robert Loggia, Jimmy Smits, uh, and a whole bunch of other people. Uh,
1: this movie was uh, written by Mark Frost. Twin
0: Peaks, Mark Frost. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. ah, some things in this movie make sense ah, now. Okay, yeah, that uh, comes
1: together. Did you know? I was as looking up John Schlesinger. Did you know he directed in 1997 a version of Sweeney Todd, non musical, with Ben Kingsley as Sweeney Todd. Joanna Lumley as Mrs. Lovett. What are you talking about? Campbell Scott. I'm not kidding. Why what are you, you talking about? have I not about? seen this? Is the I know. you heard of it. I what? Looked, when I was looking for this, I was like, huh? Mer? I have not seen this version of Sweeney Todd. What is that really? about?
0: Really? Yeah. Non-musical Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. where Ben Kingsley and Joanna Lumley are killing people. Yeah. Do they kill Campbell Scott? Uh, possibly. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. No, I did not know that. Um... So the beginning of this film um before
1: before we get oh, into yeah, this film, live tell, la- tell my story of about course. this I'm film sorry. so yes. um so in when i was 11 years old um my best friend at the time i'm from las vegas mm-hmm. so my best friend uh, at the time lived in california mm-hmm. and i came out to visit her for a week in the summer and okay. and they they hired a cool 16 year old girl to take us 11 year olds out and we thought she was the coolest of course and her best friends work at a video store okay and so we went to the video store and they were big horror fans these guys okay. and we were like we're going to win some horror movies and so we ended- were 11. We're 11. Okay. So we picked out critters. Okay. And the believers. You
0: picked out the believers. Yes. Interesting. And, okay.
1: And they were like, um, there's an electrocution in this movie that's really gnarly. I don't know if it's okay. Like, maybe you shouldn't. And we were like, no, we could do it. It was a bad idea. Yeah. I had horrible nightmares that awesome. entire week. All the regrets. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So every time I think of that, I'm like, ha, 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 ha. That's so funny. So it, watching it again, like, it's a good movie and the electricians really bad, but it didn't, like, it, like, I had just not ever conceived of that as ele- 11 and, yeah. like, so many of these it's things. it's really, like, kitchen accident gone yeah. horribly wrong. Yeah. And, like, they don't cut away. Like, no. most electrocution scenes.
0: It goes on for quite
1: a bit. No, it goes on for quite a bit. Um,
0: It's funny, too, because this movie feels very video store to me. like, uh-huh. And I don't mean that sort of... In, I know that comes off very negative, like, oh, it's a kind of a lesser-than film, but it feels like, you know, it doesn't have kind of necessarily like this these high-concept, you know, whatever kind of... Thing. It feels like the kind of movie that... I mean, you know, credit to Mark Frost, where it's kind of like a specific... He, in sort of the horror movie realm, where you kind of take a specific thing that people are a bit afraid of anyway, and you massively exaggerate it, mm-hmm. like worst-case-possible scenario it. Um, and what you're left with is kind of this it feels sort of like a sleeper horror film mm-hmm. to me where it's, you know, the big bad isn't something like, you know, it's from the last podcast where it's like killer cars, you know. It's something that dramatic but it's sort of like parent fears, kid fears, right. you know, all kind of like rolled up into one. Um, So I can understand why people would be like, oh, I bet it's not that scary. And then you rent it and you're like, geez, like yeah. that's
1: that's a lot. And at 11 watching it uh, Trouble. Yeah, yeah, Trouble. Uh, So it, it takes place, in uh, starts out in Minneapolis in 1987. Okay. We start out with a milkman. Now we talked about in When its- did they stop
2: delivering milk? Milk. I, I don't understand. It's
0: 1987. I was alive in 1987, yeah. and they I do still not delivered recall.
2: milk in the 90s. I stayed at my friend's house in Colorado what? in 1994, and why 1994? Why are wow. we delivering for spring milk break? in
0: 1994? Because why? it's literally
2: the best milk I ever had in my life. Because it was no fresh doubt, from the farm. Like, wow. it was like buttermilk. I gained like 10 pounds that week because <laughs> uh-huh. they had a legit milkman. It snowed that week. It was spring break, and it was freaking Colorado. But it but was, it was like, like glass bottles. Glass delivered? bottles. Okay, and it was. This is in the 90s so yes they still wow and i still get Jesus. you can still get groceries delivered now i know it's a little different too yeah but, I but mean, this, like this
0: isn't postmates you it's know like a a no 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 but it was
2: like yeah but they had milk and there's still people that do it depending on what if you're near a family farm
0: but what's curious about this film is that if beginning take does place like minneapolis and they live in the suburbs and they're yeah, I delivering it- they're delivering milk in cartons like in cartons that you'd buy in the grocery store in this film in the beginning so then like this guy comes out in the milk truck and is delivering cartons of two percent low fat and then people are just like going to scoop it up and bring it in i'm like what but why? Like, it's just, I don't, I, don't I mean, I, I don't have any problem with it. It's just, I, it's in my brain, there's something about that that feels very antiquated.
1: So you see this movie that's right. sort of like late 80s and they're still delivering milk well, while when, Martin Sheet's out for a run. You're like, what? Yeah, when, when Terry and I lived in England in 99, they were delivering milk then. Sure, sure. But it's England. It's England.
2: So you're like, come on. Ah, I think kinda- it just depends on the area you're in in the country, too. Because yeah. of like, if you're near like a farm like that, because we were literally in a suburb of Denver. So it's not like we were far from the city. Sure. But it was just close enough to, I think, a really great farm, too, that happened.
0: It yeah, no, I mean, I'm all it's fantastic, I'm all for it, but well, it's just amazing. Is this milk amazing?
2: Is gonna play a killer milk a key role
1: in, in what's about to happen, yeah? Uh, because uh, they bring the milk in, she uh puts it in the
0: fridge. Lisa, uh, is Cal's wife, Cal's Martin Sheen. Lisa is the wife, and they have a young son, Chris, and
1: they're all having like you know, happy family morning, together. and uh. Cal comes in from his run uh, to open the fridge, spills the milk mm-hmm. and then tries to mop up the milk with his like sweaty socks, <laughs>
0: no, which is the most stop like, doing a boy thing right yeah, now. Just knock it off. Go away. Uh, that's go not take, helpful. Go take a shower. Yeah.
1: So he goes to take a shower, uh, milk on the floor and uh, the coffee pot starts to overflow and spark and she goes to pull the plug and just fry feet are still in the milk. For so long, yeah, and they just like show her face, and she's twitching, and Chris is
0: screaming, and he like wants to go run to her, but he kind of knows that he shouldn't. And Martin Sheen's taking a shower, and like he can he can hear the screaming, and he runs out of the shower, and he sees her still in the milk, and so he can't run into the milk to. I I mean I don't know what you do in that scenario. So he's screaming, the kids screaming, and it goes on for quite a bit. yeah uh, it's is no good. Eleven-year-old Julie's mind went.
1: Quang. Snap. <laughs> oh, no. The milk will kill me. I can't
0: do it. um so, so they decide to move back
1: to New York City to be like, all right, we're not. This is too crazy. He's a shrink. Um, he's a, specifically, though, for for policemen. Yes. So he's hired by the N-po- NYPD, which is clearly Police fully policemen a job. Need, uh, yeah. 100%. Someone to talk to. Yes.
0: um And he lives across the street from his landlady, Jessica, Foxy Lady. Happens to be a hot landlady. Happens to be a hot landlady. Um, and, uh, sort of, the, in the beginning of this film, you're not quite sure exactly what direct, like, sort of, you have this kind of opening bit a little bit during the credits where you sort of see, like, these people kind of, sacri- seeming to sacrifice a child, but it doesn't seem really kind of related to anything, and you're like, mm, I don't know what this is really about. It, it,
1: it seemed, it seemed to me like it was like, there was a, it's like, a, um, a, some sort of ritual going on. Yeah. And then there's a white couple with a child, and mm-hmm. the child is obviously sick. Of so, yes. And so... They're healing the child, question mark. We don't really know what's happening. But
0: something seems weird happening. So then you kind of cut back to like Cal and sort of this whole situation. So then Chris and uh, his father are out kind of walking around Central Park. And he separates from his dad. And the dad hears a scream. And he panics because obviously he's really concerned about his son now. And there's a woman who has kind of discovered this sort of like sacrificial altar in the park with like dead animals and ritualistic like things cat's and head in a bowl yeah i mean it's a bit it's a nightmare but it's just like uh, you must come
1: across all sorts of things I, in central park I cannot <laughs> even imagine like
0: i don't know who has that beat but that's not the dream i think um <laughs> but uh but um Chris discovers like a sort of this shell with kind of like beads in the shell kind of nearby, and he kind of pits the, picks that up. It's by the altar and puts that in his pocket. Um and then we meet Marty, who's like uh Richard Maser, who's like the lawyer, lo- Mazer, is how you say his name? Okay, I think so. who's like the lawyer, and um he's like the sort of he's uh Cal's lawyer, but he's also kind of like the good time uncle who does magic tricks and calls the kids sports and you know is like obviously trying realizes he's been through something very traumatic and is trying to like make everything magical and amazing it has, seems like a very sweet
1: character has he ever been more adorable than he is in this he's movie he's pretty adorable I Adorable, Is not the first word I would use to describe Richard Mazer. He's uh-uh. fairly adorable in this film. He's got like all the magic tricks pulling out of his pockets. Uh-huh. Like he's just—I—I I really
0: like him. No, he's—he's he's really cute. Um, and he wants to sue the coffee maker manufacturer for you know Lisa's death. So sort of talking about that, and then you know Cal's like, well, but I don't want Chris to testify. I don't want—he's been through so much. I don't want him to go through anything more. And so they kind of talk about that. And meanwhile, this sort of mystery man gets off a plane sort of at LaGuardia nearby, and he kind of, like, Jedi mind tricks the custom agents to not go through his bag, um, where he's sort of like, no, no, it's fine. You don't need anything. And yeah. he, this guy is, like, his face is kind of crazy. He's got these sort of, like, arch-shaped eyebrows, and he's, like, hot, like cheekbones for days, mm-hmm. this guy. And he's very intense like he's just kind of it seems like that guy who like the custom agents be like oh, i'm totally checking your bag right now yeah. because like <laughs> you could not look more suspicious um he looks like he could hypnotize you by looking at you and it turns out he can and he can, and he actually can so it's like these aren't the droids you're looking for and he's like okay take your bag and go on your way sir um, and of
1: course all of his horrible weapons and there's like a blow darts and, and like
0: suspicious things. things you might need yeah um to to wreak havoc um and Cal and Chris, meanwhile, have gone to have dinner with Dennis and Kate, who are sort of like family friends. And they seem to be sort of like they were friends more of Lisa's,
1: Cal's wife who passed away. And she was like an anthropologist. Yeah. So Chris was grow- grown up going to all these small villages. Yeah. And he has like a Native American. Totem yeah. that he carries mm-hmm. around, Chief Black Cloud.
0: Yeah. Keep um, him safe. Yeah. It's like his version of a teddy bear. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, which I think is kind of cool. It's like if, you're, if your kid was like, you know, the son of an anthropologist who traveled all over the place, like he wouldn't have like a teddy bear or something like kind of adorable and kind of normal. It's like he has this kind of weird thing that like he loves like it is a little teddy bear or something really cute, Although, even though.
1: Terracotta is probably not the most comfortable thing to sleep with.
0: But I like the idea of kids like it's like it doesn't almost matter what it is. Uh-huh. It's just like it's important to him. So it's not snuggly, it's not yeah. cozy, but he like he likes it and it's up to him. Um so they, you know, they kind of do this thing where they show a slideshow of old pictures of Lisa and Cal kind of breaks down and the whole thing's been very difficult. Um, and then uh, we meet Carmen who's like the housekeeper um, who definitely is kind of into sort of supernatural. Like it's sort of like she's Catholic, but also kind of very uh you know like a lot there's a lot of like spells and leaving amulets around and like this kind of thing there's an awesome scene where she's uh goes home on this awesome 80s new york city subway so dirty and so grimy. dirty graffiti-tastic I love like it. amazing yeah i thought you would um it was really great and she's stopped on her way home from going home by police activity in the neighborhood and there's a kid in a like a little like a theater that's been found dead it's like by an
1: abandoned theater
0: yeah um by this police officer Lopez played by Jimmy Smits. Wow. And the kid has definitely been killed, like, again, on a sacrificial altar, very similar looking very to the one in Central Park. Very ritualistic. Part. Yeah, like there's like a circle of ashes and the kid's been sort of stabbed in a very specific place and there's just, you know, things left over. Um, I feel like people who are like in this religion of like sacrificial, it's very messy.
1: Like they yeah. leave a lot of
0: bric-a-brac about, you know, when you're sacrificing people. You sort of create this magnificent thing, kill a person, and then leave the whole thing behind. And you gotta like, buy
1: more candles, you gotta buy more... I mean, just the overhead seems hot. So, um, But Lopez is behind the screen at this abandoned theater, freaking the fuck out. And let me tell you, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith Smiths, wow. can freak out like nobody's business. He's not an actor that I've ever really
0: thought much of, mm-hmm. really.
1: I'm just like, gosh, Jimmy Smith. I feel
0: like Jimmy Smith is on a lot of shows you don't watch. Yes. So I feel like he's that guy where I feel like you know about him. And I feel like you probably have like a vague amount of respect for him, like on a kind of level. But like, he's never had a role that you're like that guy. Yeah, but in this one, I'm like... Because it's not your wheelhouse. But wow. like... He, no, he's solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. solid. And mm-hmm. also, it's like what's funny too is I feel like people who watch this movie who have ever seen The West Wing would like freak out because you know Martin Sheen and Jimmy Smiths are both play integral roles in that television show. They could not be more different in this film. And Jimmy Smiths is this lawyer who no, he, he's a cop. Oh, sorry, is, is a cop who has. Uh, discovered the kid, but is also kind of involved and, you know, has been
1: kind of investigating. He's gone undercover to try to figure out there's been the kind of suspicious activity and Mm -hmm. he, uh, so like not only is he freaking out, but he's a cop who's freaking out, which means like even more... Mm -hmm. Yes, he has a
0: gun. And he's like, I'm going to shoot myself. Like, can't even deal with all of this. Because,
1: like, they know me. They know what's happening. And now they're going to come for me. And now, like, I'm part of it. And I've been marked. And, like.
0: And it's that kind of thing, too, where he's he's freaking out in that kind of specific way where um, not only do I believe that they're coming for me. So it's, like, the paranoid sort of, like. Tim Robbins kind of freak out but it's also like it's almost kind of meta where he knows what he looks like and it makes him more panicked. Like he realizes how crazy he looks and it makes him feel even more insane which is when he whips out this gun and he's like I'm just going to shoot myself in the head right now because this whole thing is so awful I can't handle it. Um, Robert Loggia plays Sergeant McTaggart (laughs) the most (laughs) New York name in the entire world. He's a pretty New York cop. New York cop. He's he's tough and he's hardened. Let me tell you I smoke a million cigarettes a day and I'll tell you the score. (laughs) Um, And he... um, <laughs> and he like shoves the gun out of Jimmy Smith's face and tackles him and then is angry at him for trying to kill himself it's yeah. like you fucker like how could you um so, so they basically drag him off to the insane to Bellevue yeah where, to Bellevue which happens you know where nobody wants to be taken nobody to wants to go but as Jimmy Smith is being dragged away like outside and Carmen again is watching all this go down he just keeps screaming they know who I am they know who I am and I'm like that's just oh you're Doesn't so crazy help your case
1: so, so who are they gonna crazy. call to go talk to this Crackers guy is uh, Cal. Is yes, Cal. They're mm-hmm. like, uh, can you go down to Bellevue? Because we got a guy for you. He seems kind of crazy. And he
0: and, it, and again, you have another sort of amazing, insane scene with the two of them where he's like strapped to a wheelchair. Yes. And he's like, they know who I am. Nothing can stop them. It's his eyes. I saw his eyes. And you're like, oh. Buddy, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Spirits help them, they walk through walls, and you're like, sure. Don't tell the psychiatrist that. Okay. Like, I'm not going to help (laughs) you get out of here. You're not
0: going anywhere, son. Um, And he's so.
1: Like terrified, like yeah, he's like almost yeah. cr- crying because no. he's so scared that he knows that they're coming for him. Yeah,
0: it's it's amazing, guys. If you can't already gather, the well thread, done, like Jim yeah, Smits. yeah, slow clap. Um, but that's when you kind of start uh explaining the idea of this religion called Santeria. And it's this idea they talk about of sort of African gods that are hidden
1: in Catholic saints. Cool um, idea. Super cool idea. I said it lo- A thousand years older than cr- Christianity, like Correct. Caribbean slaves brought it over and mm-hmm. they were like, you need to worship these people now. And they're like, sure, we'll worship those people. But actually, we're worshiping
0: our people. Yeah, screw you guys. So um, there's
1: a bit of confusion about exactly what Centuria means and does this include animal sacrifice, human sacrifice, like how far does this go?
0: And they seem to kind of imply that like Lopez is somebody who followed this religion personally, um, but was, but because he's kind of so down, you know, he knew a lot about it when he saw this kid's sacrifice, he like knew what it meant on a level separate from like McTaggart or Cal or anybody Mm -hmm. else because he's like, he gets it. Um, It doesn't just look like a murder to him. So the power goes out at Bellevue. So Tom escapes um, and uh, in the meantime, Cal has been a little lonely and Mm -hmm. has decided, has been making eyes through the window at Jessica and decides to go across the street uh, to Jessica's and at the same time, Chris kind of wakes up from a nightmare and he can't find his shell like his little shell with the beads that he found in Central Park. And he has a pretty good freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, and McTaggart has sort of enlisted Cal to kind of like, they keep finding bodies of dead kids who are, have clearly been killed in some sort of sacrificial way. There's and he's one like, they find in the pier. Yeah, that's not good. Um, no. And he like needs, basically needs his help. Um, and so you start noticing too that like Carmen is like leaving little totems around the house to kind of bless and protect
1: um, but Martin Sheen doesn't see it like that. Martin Sheen just sees it as yeah. like don't leave creepy statues. I don't know what all this nonsense is. Yeah. Get get rid of it. And Martin Sheen is always just like no nonsense. Mm-hmm. He's just like I'm going to I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah. And then we're going to be done with it. Yeah. Don't do it again. Yeah. But, of course, she doesn't again.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, there's the, the greater good. I'm protecting you to understand. Um. So, and also, because he's starting to have this relationship with Jessica, like, his relationship with Chris, which is very tight in the beginning of the film, super breaks down because they have this crazy scene where they – it's Chris's birthday and they go out shopping with Jessica and she wants to buy him a toy and, like, kind of be this good, like – I don't think she wants to be like a stepmother, but it's just trying to a be like friend. cool adult. Yeah, like cool adult friend. Um, and she buys him this gift and he freaks out, like takes her gift, runs through traffic. And it's like he runs across a street in New York City, like not looking, throws the little thing down, da- the toy down, which gets run over and like destroyed. And Martin Sheen chases, a- chases after him and catches him and spanks him on the street and shakes him. Gives him like the big shake. Um and he runs home. And I will say there's a, there's a number of good freakouts in this movie, including Chris's freakout. Because after his dad spanks him in the street, he runs home and runs upstairs to his bedroom. And then Martin Sheen runs up and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the kid's like, you hit me hit me and has like a whole big freak out and like Martin Sheen's crying, the kids crying everyone's crying. It's great because
1: this scene is like, you know, I think sometimes when you see scenes like this in in movies where you have like an adult shaking a kid, like a kid actor you can tell sometimes when they're kind of holding back. There's There's a kid and like I don't want it, but this is like No, this is how I'm really. Shut the shit out of that kid. Shut the shit out of that kid. And like, really got in his face and like Mm -hmm. is not giving him kid gloves. And the kid kind of takes it and and gives back in this next scene. And I was like, right on kid. Also, I don't know how like you fake spank a kid like in a public place like that. Cause he looked like you
0: really hit him. He probably just
1: really hit him. Yeah.
0: And it's just like, geez, man. Like, it's a cordon off movie set.
1: Everyone understands what's happening. I
0: know. But like, that kid's like eight years old, you know, like that's, 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 it's tough. Um, but, um, but so they have a good, they you know kind of make a moment out of that, and then Lopez calls, who's meanwhile Jimmy Smith is just wandering the streets of New York City, being insane,
1: just clutching sweaty. his stomach
0: and pain, and, and like, he's like looking around, and then like he kind of like laughs sometimes, like he's got this weird smile. Like laugh. it's
1: bad when people in New York City are like, ooh, <laughs> like you can see people looking at him, look walking down the street, and you're like, ooh, it takes a lot to make a New Yorker to do that. Yeah, not <laughs> that guy. That guy's in trouble. Um, so he wander he calls cal and like meet me at this diner yeah and cal so cal goes down but he goes into that diner
0: yeah and it's not it's not a good sight. like he's the guy there's the, there's a guy at the diner who's like cutting up something and he has walked by a newspaper stand and seen the cover of a man on a magazine and has ripped off the magazine and taking it back to the diner and then while the man is cutting something up his he starts freaking out about his stomach something in his stomach and he takes the guy's knife and it like stabs himself in the stomach and again I feel like in movies sometimes it's like shots like that are sort of done in sort of like two or three shots that it's a bunch of cutaways
1: this is like an all-in-one they master look, situation it looks real and bad and like of, Jimmy just wanders like staggers around the restaurant yeah for a while you're just like just just die just please die <laughs> no please he's not gonna go quietly yeah
0: so he super freaks out and yeah he puts um he stabs himself and so i feel like when cal and mctaggart show up again they're just like what the christ is all this about and then they see the cover of the magazine which is a man named robert calder on the Mm -hmm. cover
1: covered in blood and they're like who what why this guy what what is going on and Um, they said that he kept saying the word snakes yes in spanish over and over right um so they uh when they they go down to the morgue yeah to check out his body and when they pull out his guts guess what's in there Snakes. A bunch of snakes. Disgusting. They're really worse. They're really worse snakes. They're yeah. Really were. Which I go, I'm like, wow. Still don't stab yourself in the stomach, dude. But um... I can understand, though. If you felt something inside you moving around like that. like. But you can't stab it. I know. Because you just kill yourself. Yeah. Um, I think you just have to live without having snakes in you. Um, or you just,
0: yeah, I don't know. Or just run to the hospital and be like, take my snakes out. <laughs> Nobody no. will help
1: you. <laughs> it's not going to. Even... That's
0: Marion's plan. <laughs> run to the emergency room and ask them to take the snakes out of your stomach. And then you terrible go idea. Back to
1: Bellevue. Yeah, not a good.
0: Tip. Um, so we meet Oscar who runs the center for kids where Lopez used to volunteer at and he practices Santeria and he's very reluctant to kind of talk to Cal about it because he's like, I, you guys are prejudiced. Like you think we're just a whole bunch of like voodoo loving, whatever. And so I don't want to tell you about the religion or about kind of what goes on. Cause I don't trust you guys. Um, and he, but he explains that Robert Calder, the, the cover of the magazine that he's basically on, he's on their board and he's somebody who's kind of supported the center and kind of been in that world. And so Cal's like, that's his,
1: the connection. His, uh, Calder's son Odeed. Yeah. And so like, this is now the like. His legacy is yes. like he's going to have this center to help trouble, troubled youth. Right. Exactly. Um.
0: So they decide. And, and meanwhile, too, this mystery man that we kind of talked about earlier who did like the Jedi mind trick. Like there's a lot of like lurking shocks mm-hmm. and shots and stalking shots where he's just kind of in the background like watching Cal, watching Jessica, just observing everything. And then we get to go. To an 80s, '80s
1: fundraiser, '80s cocktail party fundraiser. It's so white, it's
0: shoulder pads and no bras. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it looks like <laughs> Terry's like yes. Um, and yeah, and basically that's who we meet. We meet Calder, and I, I kind of like this scene because I feel like uh, you have this dynamic between Cal and Calder where. Like Martin Sheen's asking him questions that one would ask a stranger that you meet at a cocktail party, but he kind of is also looking at him like, Mm -hmm. What's your deal? Like, are you on the
1: level? Are you not on the level? Trying to figure each other out. I agree. It's like a very, like, over on the top conversation yes. but actually what they're saying is Yeah,
0: cuz there's a lot of like answering the questions and then you keep looking at the guy and then he answers a question and then you keep looking at the guy. Mm-hmm.
1: Um and I like that dynamic. I think that dynamic's really fun. This is a 80s fundraiser where they hand out gigantic cigars to everybody. Yep. Both Cal and Jessica decline, but they say that smoke attracts the gods and it makes them want to join the party. Yeah,
0: so Smoke Do up. it. Smoke up. Uh, um, so
1: Jessica goes to the bathroom mm-hmm. uh, where she leaves her compact right. in the bathroom and lie. sneaks into Robert Calder's office mm-hmm. where she finds a head, a skull in a fish tank with nails. With nails in it. It's like pinhead. Yes. just a skull. Right. And yeah. she's like, that's not good. Hmm. That's I'll suspicious. just take my compact and get out of here. But out. what we know and what she doesn't yeah. is that uh, Paolo, who was our mystery man, yeah. has... Has done a little something to like, that he, compact. Like he like kind of
0: to touched the compact and then she like goes to pick up the compact again and quickly powders her nose and her cheeks and then go- goes back to the party. Um, and then you you had seen um the first kid who was killed earlier in the film, who was the sacrificial kid that uh, Jimmy Smith is first freaking out about. We saw his parents very briefly in the emergency room or in the police station, I think, actually. Um, and you see them at the party. And they are at the party like anybody else is at the party and seem to be having a good time. So I feel like that's sort of the beginning of you're like, wait a minute, like all this doesn't just seem like a situation of just like simple murders, like something seems to be going on here because these parents have recovered pretty quickly yeah. and are at a
1: fundraiser all of a sudden. And then Paulo starts to do a little hypno dance dance freak number out. Yeah. I, I, also,
0: I also feel like if you're at a party and someone's having like a sort of a freak out like
1: this and their eyes go all white. Yeah. I think the fundraiser's over. Everyone's into it though.
0: Everyone's into it. It's, but why are they into it? The fundraiser's over. And, and, like,
1: well that's the thing is like what it, it, to be in you don't want to be in cow shoes where like everybody else is into it and you're like uh um, let's go. I let's think go. I left the
0: toaster on. I must, I must leave right so now. So he yeah. has to like
1: grab Jessica and take her out because, because he's like
0: touching her and like being weird with her. Cause like that's the thing. It's like if I, I think if a guy starts having like a freak out and his eyes go white, that guy shouldn't be touching you. No. Like you just need to be
1: like slowly they're just back out of the way. collecting cash from people. Yeah. People are just like putting cash on trays.
0: This <laughs> is amazing.
1: Um, so yeah, he like they they peace out immediately. Meanwhile,
0: Carmen is back home with Chris and she is going spell crazy. She's got like branches she's cracking eggs she's like bloody eggs that comes out bloody that freaks her out but i was like what does the eggs do even if the eggs didn't come out bloody like what was that supposed to do um and then you know chris is kind of waking up and screaming and she's throttling him and shaking him so cal comes home and he's already warned her like you got to knock that spell shit off and he sees her with like the eggs and the branches and it's like i think you're fired i think you have to go home now and she's like no but i'm gonna save you all i'm gonna
1: protect you you don't understand martin sheen's not having it no get out.
0: out out um and uh so mctaggart meanwhile is sort of trying to convince cal that he's like well you know i think we can we can put all the the murders on lopez we can blame him like he's the one who did it all and cal's like he didn't do it though what are you talking about like why are you doing this So like mctaggart's starting to
1: act kind of strangely um so cal goes over to his apartment yeah it's so sad robert loja just like sitting in an armchair in the middle of his apartment that's just covered like surrounded by filth and, and which is he has destroyed. He's like yeah. smashed his television and he's clearly like gone off the rails. And he says that he's paralyzed and he can't move because they've like found him and they're yeah. putting this that they're putting this the spell on him. And so they've got to say Lopez did it or else it's like curtains for him. And yeah. so cal's trying to help him but it's just
0: but he has that gun too he's doing like kind of the same lopez move which she got angry at lopez earlier where he's gonna like shoot himself in the face and cal's like cool cool give me the gun i'm gonna take the gun i'm gonna go like sort this thing out Maybe i'm gonna go talk to oscar again and see what we can sort out you stay here i'll be right back and he's like okay okay And he goes and then like of course because every 80s cop does he has another smaller gun in an ankle holster yep. and he takes that smaller gun and shoots himself in the face in the um, mouth in the mouth yeah it's like weird, too. Details. He like wraps his lips around the barrel. It's like you're going to suck a straw. Yeah. I'm like, that's a choice. That's a gross choice. It's going to make sure that you're not going to miss. So, it's yeah, a distressing works. choice. Yeah, that's yeah, but I was like, wow, Robert, Robert Loja. All right. That's a thing. Um, Went so for it. He did. Um, so meanwhile, Cal has gone, gone back to Oscar and has sort of shown him the seashell thing that Chris has. Um, and he starts talking to him that basically like, this is a version, everything that's happening is kind of a black magic version of Santeria. So he's like, it's not what I'm into, but this is what's going on. Um, and he says that the whole thing with these people and child sacrifice is like you gain powers that are kind of almost godlike powers through sacrificing your kid. Yeah. So again, sort of like in the last podcast that we were sort of talking about weird parallels of vampirism with Christine and stuff like that. I feel like this is sort of similar again in that where it's like it gives you the evil choice, you know, like you sacrifice your kid who maybe is already perhaps in peril anyway right. but if you do this then it's like omnipotence. Right. So what are you gonna do? Um, so they
1: ask, well they ask uh, him to do a Santeria uh, kind of protection yeah. ritual so they go down in the basement underneath his shop in New York which is great Yeah. and have this full ceremony including like killing a chicken and he's, like, offering offering this blood for your son's life.
0: Which I feel like, you know, I'm I'm all into, like, you know, protection spells and give me all, the, like, the stones and the crystals and the whatever. But I feel like when they bust out the chicken and they're, like, hey, Marion, protection spell. And someone busts out a live chicken. I'd be, like, no, 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 no. But, you it, know? but
1: if it's, it's the chicken or your son. I know. So, like, of course you're going to do it. It's and, of tough. course, he does do it. And Jessica kind of has this strange look on her she face does. this whole time where she's, like... Not sure what's happening, but really interested by it. Yes. Even though she gets chicken blood all over. All
0: over her. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is interesting. I wonder, too, because at this point, you know, shortly thereafter, she starts a sore starts manifesting on her face. And I wonder if like the beginnings of that she's already feeling. Hmm. So there's something about this whole ceremony where she kind of felt and this just may be like actors reading into actor stuff where like it's not going to work for her like it's not for her like right. she's here part of the spell and this is for Cal and Chris but like it's not going to do anything for her cuz it's too late mm-hmm. maybe possibly um because the whole thing with her face is just a horror show. Like, there was a fair amount of this movie that I was like, I'm in a movie. I can watch it. There were bits of what was coming in here where I was like, la 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 and looked away. And um, the, the sore
1: on her face continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and she continues to get sicker and sicker. Right. Where it looks like she's feverish and she can't get out of bed and she keeps calling Cal and be like, no, 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 no.
0: I'm fine. They're going Go gonna,
1: take care of Chris. They're gonna take him on a trip.
0: Yeah, like, uh, the Dennis and Kate, the two for her family friends were like, oh, we're gonna go to Santa Fe and fishing or whatever. And so, like, they sort of kind of go off to the country. Um, and uh, and Cal's kind of been left, you know, by himself. But, yeah, she kind of keeps kind of pushing him away. Rather than, please take me to the hospital immediately, something is clearly horribly wrong. She decides to just be solo in the apartment. And then what happens? <sighs> then the horrible sore on her face bursts a hole and horrible spiders come out. Yep. Um, and crawling. it is crawling out of her face, up her eyes, like it is... A nightmare yeah. it's really really horrible it's really bad oh uh, yeah and it i mean yeah, i don't know who did the makeup effects for this film but like hats off to them it's but a nightmare there really
1: are spiders No, there really out are the, yeah, it's face. actual
0: spiders coming out of this actress's face mm-hmm. um and it's 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 no good how as an actress how, do you not freak out It's like the bee thing with Virginia Madsen and Candyman that we were talking about. It was like, there are bees all over you. Like, how are you fake unconscious at all?
2: Yeah, I don't know. But somehow people can do this. Um, uh, So, yeah. I couldn't even get fake eyelashes, you guys. I tried. Like, (laughs) I had to meditate so hard. I can only imagine being covered in bees. And spiders. I would die. Yeah. Dead, dead, dead.
0: Literal death. Uh, local actress killed today on film set when mm-hmm. we put spiders on her mm-hmm. face. Um, so yeah, so basically the the spiders, you know, come out and then they then she ends up going to the hospital because Cal discovers her and is like, oh my God. Um, so Marty comes back into the picture and basically says he's going to drive, he'll drive him to where Chris is. And he gives marty mctaggart's gun like don't
1: give up your gun i know and i was like
0: amateur hour like yeah he does um but it's because he you the audience is kind of made to realize that when he makes the phone call to dennis and kate being like hey how is chris a lot of crazy shit's been going on what's been going on as they're on the phone with him like it's good everything's great he's uh, so busy blah 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 calders in the background and so you kind of understand this this is the part there's elements of this film that felt very rosemary's baby to me mm-hmm. and this was a big one where it's like the sweet sort of harmless older couple are actually the worst ones or yes. like the super betrayers because they've been like family friends do you forever blah 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 um and they're 100% in it and so not only are they, are they there but paolo's there the mystery man mm-hmm. um so like basically it's a trap that they're he's they've kind
1: of set for him and now they have chris Right yeah. where they want him, uh, uh, but uh, luckily Marty, the lawyer, is there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad Richard is there to save me. Um, but but it's nice because Cal gives him the gun and is like, leave. Yeah, and so he starts to leave, and he's like, eh, yeah, maybe better not leave. This does not seem right. Um, because Dennis gives. Cal a
0: drink to be like oh crazy day have a drink blah 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 and of course the, dr- the drink is drugged um, and he starts telling him and I always love, I love these scenes in movies where it's somebody who's like a friend of the protagonist who's you know always seemed up until this point totally loyal who starts telling him a story let right. me tell you a story and over the course of the story you realize they're totally a bad guy and the story he starts telling is of how he and his wife had this child like in the 40s and the kid got really sick and you realize that they're the young couple from the flashback. And there's telling the story about like, but he was sick and nothing could be done for him anyway. And so, you know, we thought if we did this, we went to this, this whole Santeria thing and blah, 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 and then we would have these powers and then it would all be for you know, good and we could do good in the world with our omnipotence and blah, they blah, on, blah. He
1: only asks for one life. He just asks for one life. You only have to sacrifice
0: one life. It's Your just, one son. And it's then then... just my one son that he's going to stab in the chest. I mean, really? Like, it's not so and then like, I love like, Martin Sheen's just like,
1: oh, come on. Like, really? <laughs> but um, he's drugged and he can't like totally Totally. get it together to get out and they yeah. um, they take him to a big warehouse. Yeah.
0: Where We're like, like everyone's there. There's it's, like
1: hundreds of like well respectable couples just that are waiting in gray suits We're like do it.
0: So it's re- is the really is the thing of this movie like sacrifice your kid be a God.
1: Is yeah, that what this is? I think so. OK. Yeah. That you have to but you only have to do this one thing. Right. And then you're good for life. Because Calder's not
2: like be a God. That's be God. But it's always lots, the but case. There, but god always sacrifices his son. Oh. But no, and they, and they talk as, about
0: that parallel. They talk about that parallel that. in other religions. Yeah. They're like, look, it's not like this has been part of religion since the dawn of time. It's yeah. just like to be part of us, you have to do, you have to do that. But it's not like but I think their version of it
1: is really like you're not, you are a, a god. Like you have powers just like him. It's not your, you know. But we're never really clear on what besides Paulo, well, like anybody else's powers really are.
0: The only thing I can see, I feel like the way that it manifests themselves in sort of like the Western group of that is that like they all are incredibly successful and they seem very wealthy and kind of very affluent. And Calder admits that his son did not, did not OD, that he sacrificed him. And, you know, and now he's like the most popular man in New York City and like all this kind of stuff. So it's that thing where like they're, you know... Again, like kind of like hypnotized, where it's like you'll you know do this thing, just do this one thing, mm-hmm. powers
1: forever. Um, and certain people go along with it, and certain people obviously don't. And they have Chris, yep. and They they have him all ready to go, ready to be sacrificed yep. in his loincloth. And do it, do it. All Cal has to do is just stab this, stab him with this giant knife. And I
0: feel like I like it that he kind of like goes along with it, but he sees Richard mazzer like up, kind of in the way, like in the rafters, you Richard know. Richard to the rescue with his gun. He's like, oh, he's here. Oh, okay, I'm pretty drugged. Oh, am I gonna stab my kid? No, I'm gonna stab you, Calder. No, not Calder. Dennis. Dennis. That's right. Stabs him. He stabs Dennis. Um,
1: and so so the wild chase begins. Exactly. Chris um, gets away, mm-hmm. and now they're separated. And how they get back together. Right. And it turns out that Paulo can do Chris's voice.
0: Yeah, that's one of his powers. Um, he's also a fiend with that blow dart. Um, because yes. he blow
1: darts Richard Mazur. He um, does. But before he goes, mm-hmm. luckily he's a magician. And it's got some flash powder, yeah, in his pockets. I
0: I had that moment too, where he did that thing where he blew like fire in his face, and I was like, "What the hell?" And then like five minutes later, you're like, oh, the ah, magic stuff." Yeah, that flash came. Powder. That came to me later. Uh, but yeah, he like burns uh Paulo's face. Um, and so yeah, like basically, Cal has the big face off with Calder. Um, where they like struggle, and I like they have they're having this kind of warehouse fight where people just start throwing things at each other, where you're like throwing bits of warehouse at the other person just to what is in my hand i don't know just what does this do i don't know throw it at the guy Um, (laughs) and uh but eventually he does end up stabbing him um and then you feel like oh he and the son are going to get away but then the mystery man shows up and he's burned from the flash powder but also blinded Uh by the flash powder and so he sort of has like calip against the ledge and chris has that moment where he's like separate from him and there's a big gap
1: In like kind of a railing between him, way up high on top of like a warehouse warehouse railing, and
0: he's like, "I'm over here. Keep walking. Go on. Keep going." And Pala does "Ah,"
1: off to his death, Um, paled so gnarly, so bad rebar.
0: I feel, and that that second part of it kind of shocked me because I feel like it's often like the thing where like your bad guy just like plummets to his death. It's like every movie ever. But then like you had the second shot where he lands on like seven different pieces of rebar all at one go, and you're like. Yeah. All right, All
1: right, Like You're not going to skimp on the big bad death. Super
0: deaths. dead. Like really, really dead. Um, So you have this epilogue at the very end where it's like, you know, they're in the country and Cal has a cute German shepherd and, and Jessica's pregnant. Super pregnant. And like uh, Chris is calling her mom and it's all kind of adorable. And then the dog starts freaking out at the barn that's nearby. And Cal's like, mm, and goes into the barn and he climbs up this ladder and there's a loft and there's fully like an altar with like dead animals and the whole bit. Um, and Jessica comes around the corner and it's like, I, I did it. It's so, it's so we're safe. I did it for them. So we'll be protected. P.S. I'm crazy now. Oh, P.S. Just... I've been crazy this whole time. Uh-huh. Ever since spiders came out of my face. I'm permanently crazy. Yeah, As you would be. I would be permanently crazy if spiders, spiders came, came, came out of out your my face. face.
1: Yeah. I can't. The The biggest freak out that ever freaked out. Yeah. Spiders coming out of your face. Let's not think about that. I
0: mean, fair enough, Cal. Like, you were crazy to think you could just move on with this lady and
1: have a normal life. Like, really? But we we've we watched a couple of voodoo-themed films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this one should not be discounted yeah I feel like it's got solid performances, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's kind of doesn't exactly go where you think it will. I think it kind of goes in different ways
0: in i different agree places.
1: i do feel i do feel
0: like the like martin Sheen and Jimmy Smiths especially like really hold this thing together uh-huh. because I feel like they take it very seriously, and it is really like for them it's kind of the simple story of like i mean, especially on martin Sheen's side where it's like. I'm not killing my kid for you guys. Like, no, like, definitely not, you know. And I feel like Jimmy Smith has that great. It's it's almost kind of a Renfield in the sense of, like, not like he thinks it's going to be wonderfully rewarded, but, like, he's the one who knows and sees it coming. And it's made him crazy. Yeah. It's made him full crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really fun character to have. And I kind of like the idea of like Jimmy Smith is like a Renfield. I think that's really yeah. fun. Um, yeah. um, So gore factor. Uh, one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. And we gave this a three. Enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Mostly spiders. P.S. Spiders. and.
1: Impaling on spikes, yeah, And some the dream. Kids sacrifice a lot of kids sacrifice. sacrifice, yeah.
0: And Jimmy Smith stabbing himself, like. Whew. But I feel like
1: most people can handle it. It's not <laughs> enough. It's it's just the spiders is really like the worst thing in this whole movie. Uh, and the electrocution, let's not forget. Yeah, no, about, that's true. Early electrocution, it wins for one of the. I mean, it's probably just because it's scarred on my childhood brain. But I'm just like <laughs> that electrocution is is no fucking slow good. clap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, movie rating: uh, one to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby, and five fantastic Oracle. Mm-hmm. We both gave this a three. I feel like this is a this is the most solid three
0: I think of any film we've ever done because I feel like it's definitely a scene we're seeing better. I feel like you know this this I think there are more interesting concepts for horror films than this one, but I feel like this version of, of film with less actors mm-hmm. and you know a different direction and you know a, not a not as good of a screenplay could be real garbage, you yeah. know. Um, but I feel like they what they do with it is a lot, you know like definitely kind of a rise above the material which was already not bad yeah Um, Uh, mark frost yeah and definitely too and especially too like having bringing in ideas where like it's not so much like all the kills are unique kind of movie but all the different ways that santeria can make you insane Mm -hmm. are all very unique so Mm -hmm. like jimmy smith does not get the same thing as like spider does not get the same thing as you know like they're all kind of different and i appreciate
1: that so uh next (sighs) Are you ready? No, I'm not ready. She's not ready. Um, so we're gonna be doing. I don't want to do it. Well, we're gonna be doing some of our favorite. One of our favorite directors. I, I want to do that. That we're I want to be do. doing. Uh, some Wes Craven. Yes. coming up because we love Wes Craven. Love Mr. Craven. Probably Marion's least favorite Wes Craven film, but it's high on my list. Yeah. Last house on the left. Last house on the left. I love it. Where where it all began for Mr. Craven, it did.
0: Um, But this movie is rough. It is rough. This is this goes back to that kind of the super scary '70s, super hardcore, very violent, very rapey, very gross uh, kind of movies, which is not really my wheelhouse. But in
1: the spirit of kind of doing a bunch of Wes Craven films, uh, you got to start from the beginning. I know, and then go from there, and there'll be lots of fun. But this will not be a lot of fun. There's just going to be parts where I'm just
0: not going to watch. You're
1: tell me what happened. There's um, going to be some wacky cops, though, so that'll
0: lighten the oh, mood. I, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> some wacky cops that don't
0: work. Here we go. Um, yeah, um, but it is definitely a seminal film, and you know, I feel like if we're if perhaps our podcast is not hardcore enough for people who are like hardcore horror buffs, this is a hardcore film. Yep. Like you know, so I feel like this is up there. So we're doing
1: it. Uh, uh, you can hear the trepidation in Marion's voice. Yeah.
0: Um, so next week, join us. Us for Julia mostly talking and me making weird noises uh, for Last House on the Left. <laughs> See you then. See you then, guys. Bye. <laughs> we surprise.